coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on December 4th, 2022. The Innocent for the Guilty. You've been receiving our our, uh, little devotionals sent out by email. I hope you have. If you haven't, let me know. Give me your email address and we'll make sure that you get them. Uh, We've been talking about prophecy. We sort of took off from last week when we talked about uh, probability and the possibility of something being said one particular time being fulfilled in another. And while this is not really the case for our topic for this morning, uh, it does have a, a prophetic theme, but more in the sense of describing something that's true, which is the whole thrust of of prophecy, not just talking about something future, but then was fulfilled in the future in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And I thought how appropriate that we would talk about this on the Sunday when we celebrate the Lord's table. So I'd like to talk about the Passover Now, sometimes when we come around uh, Resurrection Sunday, we sometimes have a a Passover Seder and go through uh, all that. We're not going to do that, obviously, this morning. But I invite you to turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 12. Exodus, chapter 12. Now we know the backstory here. We know how uh, Joseph was sold off into slavery and then later on when there was uh, <clears throat> great plenty and then a famine that uh, the, his family came looking for food and then eventually moved to Egypt and then uh, that family grew up in Egypt and they multiplied to become a nation and then the Pharaoh uh, said, I don't really know these people, but they're a real threat to me. And he put them under bondage and had them doing construction projects for them. And they cried out and God raised up Moses. We have the whole story of uh, the different plagues that are recorded here in the book of Exodus. We come to that last plague, and uh, it's different than the rest. All the rest had been, uh, this thing is going to happen, and then Pharaoh would cry, uncle, and then the Lord would remove it. But this one involved the people in having to do something to avoid the plague. And in Exodus chapter 12, we read uh, of this account. And and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you a beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. And tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, every man shall take a lamb according to his father's house, a lamb for a, a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor 
shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make for your, for your count for the lamb. And your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. So we have, what we see in our record here is an establishment of the Passover, and it was going to be established from then on that every year they would celebrate the Passover. But what it was in reality in that particular point in time was a judgment upon the firstborn. And God was going to judge all the poor of the firstborn unless they participated in sacrificing a lamb, then taking the blood and putting it on the doorpost and across the, the, the top of the door so that they could, the death angel would see that these people inside were participants in this Passover and the death angel would literally pass over that household. If there was insufficient people to, uh, there'd be too much lamb for so many people that they could invite their neighbors in and they could participate together. They were also to eat bread that didn't have a chance to really rise, unleavened bread, and to partake it uh, literally ready to go, everything ready to, to walk out of the country. God was going to have them be able to leave the judgment and the persecution of Egypt and take them again back to the land. And we read in verse 11 of this passage, and he says, uh, In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, with your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And he will pass through Egypt that night, and the death angel will come. We know that it was the final straw for Pharaoh and for the Egyptians. Many lost their firstborn son. And of course, the Jews were preserved, and anyone who operated by faith then and then participate in the Passover. The fulfillment of this was not only in the practice every year of celebrating the Passover as the families would come together and then they would go through the time of remembrance, a time of, of unleavened bread, a time of, uh, well, if you've been to a ceremony, you know what it's like. They, they share in remembrance of the, the judgments that came, the plagues, and a time of suffering that the people had gone through, and then a, a picture then of them uh, escaping Egypt and heading to the promised land. Now we said that we've been talking about prophecies, and the prophecies oftentimes are just given to us in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, it says that the scripture might be fulfilled, and then that scripture is fulfilled. 
We don't have that same kind of um, uh, phrase that's used in the passages, but you'll see that we are not off the mark. I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now Paul is, is writing to the church of Corinth. Corinth had Jewish believers there, but there's a lot of Gentiles there too, and mostly Gentiles. But that doesn't mean that the message of the Passover wasn't applicable to the Gentiles as well. And in Matthew, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he talks about uh, ministering to them, and he uses this word about leaven, and he uses it to describe sin, and then that comes to the point of talking about being without sin, and, and he goes from there to talk about Jesus Christ. Verse 6 of chapter 5, 1 Corinthians, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Now for those that uh, have made bread, this is immediately obvious. If you're a person who just goes to the store and buys bread, you will miss the whole picture here. But you put a little bit of leaven, uh, we talk about yeast into the bread, and you mix it all up, and then you set it aside, sometimes in a nice warm place with a damp cloth over it, and what happens? That whole mound of dough begins to expand. And then you punch it down and let it rise again, depending how many times you want to do that. You could do that. But we know that there may be a little packet of yeast, of yeast in with a whole bunch of flour and, and sugar and those kind of things will we'll move all the way through all of that and it caused that dough to expand. And he says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And so basically, he says, that picture of sin then can come into the life and impact all of the life. He says, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And here we have the picture then referring back to the Passover and the, and the reference is to Jesus Christ. He says, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And he's talking about how we ought to live our lives then. But in here, we see this reference to Jesus Christ being referred to as the Passover lamb. Now, when we usually come to the Lord's table, we don't come to 1 Corinthians 5. We usually go to one of the Gospels, and so let's do that. Let's go back to our passage this morning, Matthew chapter 26. And in Matthew chapter 26, 
we have this account of the Lord's Supper. Now, what were they doing? What we read here is Jesus has said to his disciples, I'm going to then celebrate the Passover. Just like we've been describing, they did this on a yearly basis. And so they were well familiar with the practice. We not so much. Okay? But they knew what was happening. Passover, this season of year, this time of year. Uh, they knew the elements. They knew the story. This was something that uh, they would have participated in before they even knew what was happening as a little kid in the family. They would have grown up with this account over and over and over and over again. And so it's now that time the disciples are well aware of what it is. And they come and, and they're reclining for the Passover. The Passover not only has the ceremonial part of of, of the blood and, and, and the unleavened bread, but also a meal that would be combined. So this would be a whole event for, the, for a day. And they're in the upper room participating in it. And we come to verse uh, 26 in chapter 26. And he says, And now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And what kind of bread is this? unleavened bread and he blessed it he, he, after blessing it broke it and gave it to his disciple and said take eat then he said something that we take for granted but they hadn't ever heard he says this is my body now I wonder what it was like for the disciples to hear that for year after year after year after year after year, they participate in a uh, Passover meal. They had never heard those words before. This was brand new to them. And what does he say? Take eat, this is my body. And so all of a sudden now, the thing that they knew so well had some new significance to them. Jesus said this unleavened bread represented his body. Wow. Had Jesus ever talked about that before? Of course he had. Remember after he had fed the 5,000, they crowded around and they wanted to follow him and he had to escape across the lake and they followed him around the lake and caught up with him and the thinking is that mostly they said this is better than government because government will supply all of our needs and so now we have this guy he turned a couple of loaves and some fishes into a meal for us all this beats work let's follow him wherever he goes maybe he'll do this again and Jesus took that opportunity with their thinking about food, and he talked about offering up his body for them to eat and his blood to drink, and they went, Aah! So Jesus had already introduced this idea, but now it is very real to his disciples. He says, take and eat, this is my body. And they could see 
that emblem that they had dealt with all their their life have a new significance now. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of, of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And we see now that we're not just talking about something that happened way back in history, back in ex in the Exodus account, recording the Jews leaving Egypt, but we're talking about Jesus saying that this communion cup that we're to drink of is his blood and it's applicable to our sins for the forgiveness of sin. I want to take you to one other passage. It's back in 1 Corinthians. If we're not in the Gospels, we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul has been talking to the church at uh, Corinth there, and they've been having a problem with their, their uh, love feast. People were bringing their food, but they weren't sharing it. And so some were eating uh, very well and others were going without. And, and the Lord, through Paul, condemns all that action. And then uh, introduces the theme of the Lord's Supper because they were mixing the whole idea of the Lord's Supper with their supper and... This is a bad pun, but it was leaving a bad taste in some people's mouths because they were doing without, they were not being treated well. And Paul says, this ought not to be. But then he turns his attention to the Lord's Supper. And we read in chapter 11, verse 23 and following, uh, Paul's instruction to the church there at Corinth. He says, I received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this body, which is, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. And so he picks up the theme that was in that upper room with his disciples. He says, the same way he took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this, and as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now they celebrated Passover once a year. How often are believers to celebrate the Lord's table? Any ideas? Come on, you got to speak up so I can hear you. Even with my hearing aids, I didn't hear all that. I can't do it once a month. We're doing once a month. But how often does Scripture say that you should do it? As often as you can. It says, as often as you do it. So whenever you do it, 
He says, this is the way to do it. When you do it, could we do it every week? Sure. Yes. Sure. Could we do it every day? Yes. 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 <coughs> okay. Why do we only do it once a month? Tradition. No. Fiddler on the roof. No. So it doesn't become meaningless ritual. That's right. So it's, it's not that we couldn't do it more often. We do it to put a special emphasis on it. So that we pause and we think about it. In fact, in the bulletin, that's often what we put the Sunday before. This is a time to prepare your heart. The Lord's Supper is coming. Okay. So scripture tells us, as often as you do this. But look at what it says. It says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner would be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment to himself. That's why many of you are weak and sick. Some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. The idea being that we come prepared for the Lord's Supper. Now for the Jews in Passover, there was a big run up until the time of the Passover there would be a lot of preparation for the Passover, and then it would be celebrated. We try and give you at least a week's notice before we participate. Not that you need the week's notice, because you should have a prepared heart. But we especially just want to make that known. So we see then that what was talked about in the Old Testament and was a reality of the Jews being released from Egypt. We come now to make some points about this. And the first one is participation in the first Passover and the Lord's Supper require us to trust God's word. You go, oh, yeah, so what? Let's go back to the first Passover. God gave a message through the leaders to the people and said, you need to prepare. You need to set aside a lamb, make sure that it is without blemish. Then on this given date, we'll all participate together, sacrifice the lamb, prepare it for, for the meal. We'll have some unleavened bread and then we're to eat in haste Ready for what? Deliverance, right? Exodus from Egypt. What did it require? Faith. You mean really? After all these years, we're going to be able to get out of Egypt? They had seen some of the plagues, but for nine of them, what had happened? They didn't get released from Egypt. What they got was more pain, more anguish. And now the Lord is going to say, oh yeah, eat this in haste. Be ready for deliverance. What did they have to do in order to be ready 
They had to prepare. And what, what would drive their preparation is their belief in the word of God that he would say that he would deliver them. They were trusting that deliverance was at hand. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're trusting that deliverance is at hand. You go, this is not a trick question, but how many know for sure that you're saved if you want to you go, what, what's required for that to happen? I've got to take God at his word. Trust. I've got to trust him. I've got to believe that what he said, if I put my trust in him, I will be saved. That's exactly what the Jews needed to do. And Jesus says, I am your Passover lamb. You got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, not participate in this, but believe what I have to say. See, the Jews sacrificed the lamb, ate the unleavened bread, put blood on the doorposts. That didn't save them. What, what saved them was their belief that the, the Lord was about to deliver them, and this was the means by which he provided that. We come to Jesus Christ, and we go about our lives up until the point we're confronted with the gospel, and then the Lord says, you need to trust me. You need to put your faith in me as a Passover lamb in order for you to be delivered from your sin. In Hebrews 11, 28, we see that the emphasis is this. Moses is talking about Moses 11, 28. By faith, he kept the Passover, sprinkled on the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might touch them. What, what was the indicator? His faith. We look at this passage in Hebrew in 1 Corinthians 11 and it says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you what? You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. What is he saying? You're looking forward to be delivered out of this world. How many have hope of heaven? Well, yeah, I do. Okay. How did you get there? By faith. Putting our trust in the deliverer. I love this in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of what? Your faith, the salvation of your souls. There's a strong correlation then 
between the Jews being delivered out of Egypt by faith and us being delivered from sin by faith. The focus on the first Passover and the Lord's Supper then is the theme of redemption, that we're redeemed. We're redeemed. The means was faith acted upon and the, and the purpose was for redemption. The Jews need to be delivered from Egypt. We need to be delivered from our sin. I think it's interesting that we have the same kind of hope that the Jews have. They were hoping God because God had promised that they would be delivered. They were hoping that they would be delivered. What about us? We have hope too. Jesus said, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also. That's our hope. Have we experienced it yet? No one sitting in this room has. Okay? We live in hope, redemption, not only from our sins, from this whole evil world. So we come to another theme that revolves around this whole idea of deliverance. And that is that the Lord desires redeemed people to live purified lives. If we know where we're headed, and we're going to be with him, what does our sign say? Anybody know what our sign says out here? <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, she goes, I put it up, don't ask me. <laughs> anyway, we're preparing to live in the presence of a righteous, holy God. And God's desire is that we would be prepared for that. How we do that? We live a purified life. Listen to what Titus says. Titus 2.11, for the grace of the Lord has, of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, 
who are zealous for good works. God's desire for us is that we be fully delivered. And that's including the process right now of being taken through the refiner's fire and being purified, just like we were studying in Sunday school this morning. He says, I want you to seek out refined gold. May it be really valuable and pure. May we be the same. With that in mind, we come to the Lord's Supper to share these elements. And we're reminded that is a matter of faith, trusting God's word. It's a matter of reflection on redemption as God purchased our salvation in Jesus' blood. We come and share these elements together. So we're going to move to the table, and then we'll have the men come and share the elements. I want to give you a moment just before the Lord to reflect on this idea of our life in him to offer up thanksgiving to reflect on how we're doing whether we want and desire a purified life and we're living that way as we come to share the elements Heavenly Father, we come reflecting on the nature of the Passover and then the Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ, your Son. We realize that it was necessary for those lambs in, in the Old Testament to die innocent for the guilty, their blood to be spilled out so that those who operated by faith could be delivered. We realize it was necessary for your son, Jesus Christ, and his blood to be spilled out on our behalf so that when we put our trust in him, we could be delivered from our sinful lives. We come to celebrate his willingness to be that sacrificial lamb. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, if you would come. If we go to share the unleavened bread, we invite all those uh, that are here who know Jesus Christ as Savior to participate. You don't need to be a member of our congregation. This is the Lord's table, but we're to do it in a worthy manner. That's why we have reflected on these things and shared these things. I'm going to ask Mike if you lead us in prayer. Father God, thank you once again for a celebration of communion. Thank you for the bread of life. Thank you that you are that bread of life and that we use this symbol giving thanks 
showing our love toward you. In Jesus' name. Just as in the time of that first Passover dinner with his disciples and Jesus in that upper room, instigated what we now call the Lord's Supper, we sit. They were about to experience Jesus Christ going to the cross, dying, being buried rising again but for us it is a matter of commemoration we look back we don't sit out of disrespect but because the work is complete and we're celebrating so let's participate first of all by taking the bread which he represented as his body and partake all of it second element that Jesus referred to was the fruit of the vine it was something that was shared throughout the meal but it says that after the supper he took the cup and that cup even to this day is known as the cup of redemption I'm going to ask Tom if you would lead us in prayer please our precious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share these elements, to share the cup, and to remember that which you have done for us on the cross, that you redeemed us out of this world and into your arms, that you brought about the salvation so that we can have right fellowship with you. We ask that you would just bless this time. Bless this cup in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Jesus said, this is the covenant, a new covenant in my blood. We think of the fact, going all the way back through all the Old Testament sacrifices, how an innocent animal died for the guilty sinner. And Jesus said, I am the Passover lamb. 
the innocent dying for the guilty. His blood poured out for you and for me. Let's drink to the new covenant in his blood. In a moment, I'm going to have the men come and pick up your cups. And then Mike can lead us in singing. But I was reflecting as we were sharing here, and I know some of you doing the same thing, sort of mouthing some of the words as Larry was playing the hymns, how they speak to us, even without the words, because we know them. I appreciate it, Larry. So men, if you would, please. <laughs> 